Ryan, go. Er, Matt, all of you, everyone hears me. Yeah. Audio. This means hang on. How we do? I, you know, it never goes easy the first time. So we'll uh, we'll continue to play with this. There's no sound right now, but we are troubleshooting the issue. One moment. Now there is sound. Now they're saying there's sound. What was that? Was that Pinkerton? All we hear is J-Pink, they said. <laughs> they said, is that J-Pink? So we've got something going out. We've got something going out, but apparently, oh, you're hearing me? They hear me typing? Here we go. They heard someone. We're good. Aha! All right. Round number two. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in for part two of the All Pro Turf Show. Today, we're going to be doing... Uh, the room is no longer soundproof. All right, you're good. We hear Matt and Ryan. Never easy the first time, so she said their sound. I hear Matt now. Matt's mic equals working. We're live. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We're, we got... Wait, I got another can't hear. Now I've got a hand... Uh, oh, maybe they meant can't hear. I'm not sure what's going on, but it's okay. We'll, we'll keep going. We'll keep diagnosing here. All right. So, uh, like I said, today uh, is going to be part two. We're going to be going through the next series of soil tests. Again, this is not going to be um, – uh, we are, are not going to be able to get through all of these th this evening, so I apologize if we don't get to yours. Uh, but we have 20 soil tests that I have set aside, so Ray, Ryan, I apologize in advance for putting together 20 of them. But, uh, you know, they keep – compiling they keep accumulating and all that fun stuff and uh you know i figured we could have a good time with it so here we are we're gonna be kicking off part two so jay pink if you want to throw up soul test number one here we will get this bad boy under the way all right so soul test number one here is uh and I, I don't I apologize I do not have the uh, the entire backstory here as far as uh what exactly turf is growing but we can take a look at it from this standpoint and, and put together a pretty decent idea of what we're going to be doing. We know it is not centipede. And, uh, and so that tells us actually way more information uh, than just the soil test alone. So I, instead of me kicking off, I'm going to go ahead and let Ray take a look at this. And then when Ray wraps up, we'll switch it over to Ryan and let him comment. Okay. I am dialing up that. Uh, that test right now and here pH 5.4 okay that's uh, fairly low uh, your optimal pH according to this uh, to the recommendations is between 5.8 to 6.5 next CEC 5.1 uh, that's uh, almost sandy soil but here we're talking about needing 25 pounds of lime. I suppose that's per year. And next significant thing right here is phosphorus and potassium. 
that is also pretty low. They list this as a phosphorus index of 60 and a potassium index of 63. They're not saying according to, I guess, parts per million. So, and then let's see. Ryan, let's are see you familiar with reporting of the phosphorus index? You're, you, you're muted your microphone, by the way. You'd have to unmute it if you're going to talk. Do, do I have a choice of talking? No. <laughs> no, I was just curious. Are you, are you familiar with what they're reporting when they state the phosphorus index? No, I've never seen that before. Um, this looks like a land-grant test. It is. Sure. This is. This is North Carolina. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that explains some stuff. But it's, it's interesting here. Looking at that phosphorus index, so I'm wondering what that's based on because when you come down here to sample two, they're just recommending ammonium sulfate, you know, leaving that go. But then up here we've got one to one. So I'm not sure why we're recommending K at 40, you know, 42, but not down here at 63. I mean, there's numbers. I just don't know what that means. Ray, how about you? Well, I'm just flying blind right now and I'm guessing that <laughs> they may be referring to parts per million but again I'm not sh even sure of the testing you know methodology like what did they use for this uh, did they use a, a Malik 3 Malik 1 uh, strong Bray I mean which one is it but uh, if I had to guess the other thing that's kind of concerning to me is the fact that one test sample number AM001 phosphorus index is 98. Sample ID AM002 is phosphorus index is down to 60. I, I, I'm puzzled as to what happened there. But Yeah, I think I think Ray's gotten a little laggy here. Uh, the the recommendations here, and this is what's so strange, at least for us when we're looking at it, is the the recommendations aren't making a whole lot of sense as far as as far as what they are recommending. Uh, and so, you know, me personally, when I when I look at things like this, like it just it frustrates the absolute crap out of me uh, because there's no rhyme or reason or real methodology that seems to be employed. Uh, but I can say, assuming these PIs and KIs, the phosphorus index and the potassium index, are indeed in parts per million, um, and, you know, I would be running excessive, when I say excessive, meaning greater than half my nitrogen rate in potassium on both of these because uh, I would consider anything less than 75 parts per million of potassium, anything really less than 100, I'm starting to freak out about. And so here we're at 63 and 42. Like I am in legit full-fledged, I'm having a nervous breakdown uh, about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something drastic. At minimum, I'm running a one-to-one -one indicate here. With my phosphorus levels at these, I'm probably not playing a phosphorus unless I'm seeding. Uh, but that's uh, that's that's really what I'm picking up here. Oh, and the pHs are low. 
Five eight, and this is what's kind of weird is you know Ray earmuffs, but I I have no real problem with the five point eight pH. I've had plenty of great looking grass with a pH of five point eight, especially if I have red soil. So for everybody out there that ever has red soil, I like red soil. That means I've got free iron in the ground, and if I have acidic soil and acidic red soil. That means typically I'm going to have a little bit of darker grass that I'm not necessarily paying to have because uh, we're able to to take advantage of the some of that slow, minute solubility that you can get from acidic conditions. So I don't know. What what what, what else y'all got? It's definitely sand soil. I mean, that's the one nice thing about this. Te- So, yeah, that's that's something you normally wouldn't get without paying extra, you know. You got to pay a little extra for that uh, measuring action. So, but, uh, yeah, with those numbers there, you're easily in the sand soil. CEC is one easy way to tell, but the best way to tell without a physical analysis is just check that bulk density. Right, right. And uh, somebody commented here with the pH of 5.6. Why in the heck would they recommend a 2100, assuming that is ammonium sulfate? Are they doing that because of the sulfur levels at 72 and 42 parts per million? I'm not seeing any kind of sulfur deficiency that would, you know, perk up my ears to feel like I need to run ammonium sulfate with a pH of 5.6 or 5.4. That's fair. The other thing, too, I'd like to see these groupings of fertilizer recommendations. So I'm going to have to pull up like a sample report from wherever this is from. This is North Carolina State. I'm not sure, but it's interesting to dive a little bit deeper into this. And maybe we'll have to pick up the phone like we did that one time with that uh, that guy from Texas A&M. Remember that? Yeah. And what's <laughs> funny is we've got some A&M tests on the docket today, and I'm super excited about that. That guy's name Tony. Yeah. We'll have to get Tony on the stream next time. And, we, uh, and it's it's funny because we in the Texas A&M one, you'll see on the nitrogen recommendation there, you know, where it all starts to make sense. So we'll have a little deep dive there as far as what all that unpacks. Um, but again, you know, taking a look at both of those, in, in my experience, in my opinion, um, I am not pleased or this is definitely not optimum for for potassium. Maybe in some kind of bizarre base cation saturation ratio or BCSR methodology or something like that, it may work out. But uh, the MLSN tells us uh, that that you know, and the research by Dr. Michael Woods, and it, it tells us that a a at you begin to see off chances of potassium deficiencies at 50 parts per million. It's not going to be 100% across the board you're going to see it, but you will have some outliers of potassium deficiency. So at 42 and 63, I mean, you're knocking at the door. Uh, There's no doubt about it. I'm not playing any games. I'm laying down some potassium. Uh, Screw what the recommendations are here. Right, right, because you're just overall low in things and – Are you folks aware of what happens to phosphorus in a low pH soil as well? Uh, And lower pH phosphorus is going to have limited availability too, correct? That's right. And uh, there is another factor in here comes my third year soil chemistry class is coming back to me. (laughs) 
The issue with a low pH is that your phosphorus starts to bind to your available iron and manganese and copper excessively. And when that happens, you have a phosphorus deficiency. And do any of you in the continental US get, so I get this on my tests, do you have aluminum levels uh, posted? I do, because in my soils, pH under six means that aluminum becomes toxic. And that is the specific issue. Almost positive the Brookside report will give it to you automatically. And I can't remember, I was just, somebody sent me something the other day and I uh, might've been Penn State's lab and you have to pay extra for it to get the aluminum. Brookside, yes. Those are the folks that send me numbers for aluminum too, and I use that to guide me regarding what I need to do with somebody's soil pH. Yeah, I think that's I think it's all good information. That's something to take into consideration. You know, aluminum toxicity is not really a thing here, um, at least that is, is widely observed. It may be in specific scenarios, but normally, normally where I see any kind of aluminum toxicity issues are going to be people with hydrangea gardens that are, are master gardeners that feel like they know what they're doing and then end up making some sort of disastrous mistake that, oh, you know, it worked on my hydrangeas. Maybe I should do it to the yard. I've come across that a few times. Um, but it's very, very seldom. Well, it's very rare that I've ever, maybe three times in my life, I've tested for aluminum. And uh, of those, it was because of a specific misuse. Like somebody tried to use their aluminum sulfate to amend the soil in their lawn. Wow. Uh, yes, or just getting a little crazy with, uh, with, their, with their shrubbery, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Well, I, I think I think that's pretty much got it there as far as what we're going to be what we're going to do with this particular one. Uh, oh, I and oh, real quick, real quick. Did you see the HM percentage there? Um, on that on that previous test, HM. Hemic batter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always kind of an interesting one. Uh, are they using that interchangeably with organic matter, or are they taking or an organic matter reading and then converting that mathematically, extrapolating out what the HM percentage is? I don't know the answer to that, and that's why I'm asking. Don't know, but it would be interesting to talk to somebody over there about their methodologies and just try to understand what they're trying to convey here better. I mean, I'm looking up some stuff about the potassium and phosphorus indices, and apparently in certain like forage crops and things like that, it's and grain crops, it's fairly widely used, but uh, not to the extent that a normal Malik three reportable would be. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff there. Um, but yeah, I think I think we kind of covered it. You know, one to one indicay, uh, and you know if you're exhibiting any kind of phosphorus deficiency symptoms there. Well, if you're applying enough at seeding, chances are. Uh, it, you know, you're, you're not going to have all of it tied up, but if you're feeling real froggy, of course we could always one, one, one it, baby. 
<laughs> you're feeling squirrely. All right, we'll move on to uh, number two here. Sorry for bouncing back and forth there, Jay Ping. Um, here we have our uh, who? Who is this one? Uh, uh, is this Midwest or uh, I can't remember who it is? But anyway, test number two here. Um, Ryan, why don't you uh, get, clue us in here? Let us know. Let us know what you see. Let's see here. Test number two. 7.6. Not looking terrible here. I mean, your micros are fine. pH is pretty good. Maybe maybe give it a little bump, but it should be fine. Looks like a uh, 111 here. And not a whole lot else. Yeah, it, you know the 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 phosphorus is is critically deficient. So you definitely want to make sure you're applying phosphorus. Uh, potassium is outside of my comfort zone. Uh, so I think this is yeah a perfect qualifier for your old triple thirteen, triple fourteen, triple nineteen, triple twenty, triple eighteen. Um, and with this sulfur number, you know, could you go the ammonium sulfate route? You could probably with a pH of 6.4, but if you can get it through other sources like potassium sulfate, I would rather you see, rather see you do that than uh, just out there slamming it with ammonium sulfate purely to correct your sulfur number because that sulfur number is very low. And I'll tell you this too: if you did apply sulfur to that, it's gonna it's gonna look great. It's definitely gonna look great. So okay. All right, Ryan. I I have another, I have another one for you to uh, think about. Yeah, potassium is fixable, phosphorus is fixable, but somebody has an inverted calcium to magnesium level, mm -hmm. and this is a case where it may be wise to supply some of that sulfur requirement via gypsum. That way your pH is not raised unnecessarily. You supply calcium and you also supply sulfur. And because this is a more neutral to acidic soil, that gypsum will actually do some good for this person most likely. You know, and, and to kind of counter that, Ray, I will tell you this, that this right here would not bother me a whole lot because I have a personal threshold with magnesium of 200 parts per million. Mm -hmm. If I'm over 200 parts per million, yes, I would probably be chasing the calcium number a little bit. But if I'm under 200 parts per, per million of magnesium, it doesn't quite have that same concrete feel to me that uh, uh, greater than 200 parts per million of magnesium does. So... You know, it's just something to consider. It may be something that the end user would want to try. You know, maybe here you may want to try an application of gypsum and, you know, maybe just do it on a small section. It's cheap and, uh, and you know, put it down and, and see if you notice any kind of reaction there or uh, performance increase that you didn't see elsewhere. But like I said, my own personal way that that I would typically look at this is because I'm sub 200, I'm not I'm not going to give it any any kind of consideration at that point. There's different but, methodologies. Yeah, but on the other hand, I always look at overall calcium levels too. In that, I was always taught that calcium is also an essential plant nutrient. And the way I was taught is that it was, it's actually a almost 
macronutrient, you know, NPK, calcium, and magnesium. Those are like the five elements that you pay, pay attention to because low levels or excessive levels of any of that basically make or break your turf. Yeah, I mean, you could go with the old, uh, what, Lee Bigsbog, uh, Law of the Minimum, right? Mm -hmm. The old barrel graphic, that the one uh, lacking nutrient is the one that will hold back all others. So, I mean, uh, my whole thing here with this particular test is get the NPK right, and then maybe you can address calcium magnesium. And to Matt, your point on... And the solubility of gypsum is super low. You know, you need a lot of moisture to get it going, get it activated in the soil. And then, you know, you're going to raise soil levels, but I'm not sure that you're going to see drastic improvements. But we talked about one just like this the other night. And again, I'll reiterate the fact that the size of that calcium molecule is really, really important in the soil tilth, right? So you got that going for you. Other than that, um, I don't know. I would just rather see the NPK get right. But and also, Ray, to your point about calcium magnesium, you know, for the folks listening at home, the calcium, huge component of cell walls. So when we talk about plant stress, uh, things of that nature, especially, you know, summertime, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's thrown about like supplemental calcium. And I don't think we're talking about that here. You know, we're talking about like foliar sprays and things like that. This is more of what soil available. And you don't really see, at least in research anyway, uh, indications that if there's adequate calcium in the soil that you're going to need to apply foliar calcium as a supplement. It's it's sold a lot like that, but you know only in certain situations do I see that as a as an absolute necessity. And then also to your point about magnesium, again, its main plant function it's the center molecule of chlorophyll. So if we're low in that, you're going to see a big difference. And you might even see just of using foliar apps of something as simple as Epsom salts, things like that. You'll get a really good color response out of that. Sometimes even bigger than uh, iron, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, only, I only bring it up because I've actually seen instances of calcium and magnesium being factors that hold back what the grass can possibly be. Because by the way, the weirdest one that I've ever seen was a fairly neutral soil, but its calcium was low. So the grass literally did not want to take root in that soil until calcium levels were corrected. It just wouldn't take root. And everything else was on point because up until then, I had been pushing the NP and K, but the missing element was calcium. And, you know, people are commenting right now and saying, oh, what about the organic matter? What about the organic matter? What about the organic matter? Uh, and the reason why I'm not paying attention to a, uh, that a whole lot right now is because 
you can apply all the organic matter in the world to this. You can bury it under two inches of, of compost, and it's not going to move the needle that much. When we're talking about a furrow slice of soil that's going to be six inches deep across an acre, we're talking about multiple millions of pounds. Adding a couple hundred pounds or even a thousand pounds to two million pounds, you're not really moving the acre, the, the needle on that a whole lot. But what will move the needle on that is is developing a healthy plant. Uh, as you uh, focus on your MPK program and you get your agronomy right, you'll have all processes within the um, uh, all processes within the plant will ultimately perform better. You'll have a thicker, uh, more vigorous root system. You'll have greater 